It's Monday the 17th of May. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And Shane Lee has said to me off air that he's about to retire because his son Tom, in just his early stages of a football slash soccer career, is doing phenomenal things. Mate, he's playing really well. He's played four games of soccer. He scored four goals last week, but... I know this is some sort of record. He scored thirty-five goals. What? Thirty-five goals in the weekend. Yeah, they won. They won forty to forty to one, and it wasn't great standard. But uh, yeah, thirty-five, 35 goals. goals. Yes, yeah, unbelievable. Anyway, go Tom. Wow, that is out of this world, Tom. Uh, are you already fielding contracts from uh, internationals at this point, or what's going on? Not at this stage. We're going to put the feelers out today, that's for sure. (laughs) You're clever. You're absolutely clever. We have got a a big show on the way. Corey McKernan, all the things in the AFL. as a stack gone on this weekend. And the magic round, marred by all sorts of decisions. Steve Gillis, player manager to the Stars. So, Shane... uh, Cameron Bancroft, this has really set the cat amongst the pigeons, hasn't it? Basically coming out saying that the bowlers knew about Sandpaper Gate. Well, I always thought the bowlers would have to know because when you were bowling or you're, in, you're part of a bowling group and you were showing the ball traditionally to make the ball swing in a traditional sense, you knew which side to shine. And if you wanted to make the ball reverse swing, you would load up the other side. So you have to be in total communication with the team. I've always said the bowlers had to know. and um, But Bancroft, I don't know why he's saying this sort of stuff now the guys have I suppose uh, had their um, bands um, in place uh, time to move on and he probably will never play for Australia again now. Yeah, they were, they were big words, and I don't think the story's going yep. to go away in a hurry. Now, looking at Rugby League, the magic round, all in Brisbane, and everyone was talking about the Broadway shows, fantastic, great, we're all here in one place. Three send-offs, sin bendings all over the place. We spoke to Graham Annersley the other day. The Players Association now want to come and have a meeting with Peter Volandi saying they've gone too hard with uh, foul play. It was over the top. Like Every time they do this, the NRL, they tend to just go, way over the top with things. They do, mate. And um, it's, you've got to be careful. You know, the Dragons ended up playing with, I think it was 11 players at one stage there. Yep, there were a couple of slightly high shots, but they weren't over the top, I don't think, at all. Um, the NRL need to get this right because it's going to wreck the game. It's already too big a disparity between the top and the bottom teams. So sending guys off is going to make it even worse. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that is NRL. Coming up, we have AFL. All the latest with our man, Corey McKernan. AFL and the big story in this interview right now, two-time North Melbourne Premiership winning player Corey McKernan, is that Kangaroos had a win. They finally did and they did it in style. They were 32 points down and mm. it looked like it was going to be another uh, another loss. But look, they were led by you know, in the Young Brigade. As we've been talking about, I've been pretty impressed yeah. how they've been tracking over the, mm. the last few weeks and, and they're, they're always going to get someone and unfortunately for... For Hawthorne, it was it was them, but yeah, Jai Simkin and Taron Thomas and Aaron Hall and you know, I mean the way that they played on the weekend, they were, they were fantastic. Yeah, Corey, you're talking about they're always getting someone. Melbourne are getting everyone nine zero now. They beat uh, Carlton ninety four to sixty eight. Another big win for the Redlegs. So uh, not much pressure for the D's if you look at history, because history every time that Melbourne have gone nine zip in mm. their history of the Melbourne Football Club. 
they've gone on to win the premiership. So no pressure there, boys. Um, <laughs> a lot less teams then, but. No, but you know what? I, I think we've all grown up in an age that we have not seen or known about how great that Melbourne were like around yeah. that time. And I think a part of Melbourne, and I know that we did it at North Melbourne, um, you know, I mean, when you can look back at history, it can have a great effect. And I think mm. now, like, I don't know, I mean, Melbourne needs to sort of embrace some of that and go, hey, this footy club has been pretty great over the journey. Like in, what well, people don't know it, they're in the 50s. Like Melbourne were winning premierships, you know, I mean, left, right and centre, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we, we don't know about that history. And, and if you so they're, they're the reason why is because Elvis was in the charts and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were visiting because none of us were alive. I know, but look, I, I think when you see a stat like that, I know some of it can be a little bit daunting, but I think also it can make you think, hang on, we can tap into this rich vein of history mm-hmm. at this football club. And if it gives them a little bit more swagger, or you know, I mean, it's great for them. Oh yeah, look, it's it's a great story, isn't it? And and they just keep rolling on, and 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 I think a lot of people in the game, and a lot of people that look at the game are saying, oh, when's this bubble going to burst? But they just keep rolling down the road. Now, uh, Swans fans were were upbeat about their win over Collingwood. I know there's a lot of sledging that goes on between Swans fans and Collingwood fans. Yeah, I think they we all probably expected uh, Sydney to, to to get the win on on Saturday. I don't I don't think it was in a, a game of any great standard. Like the Pies got off to a reasonably good start, but just the Collingwood skill errors at the moment and the mistakes that they're making would have Nathan Buckley pulling his hair out. But look, it was it's another good win for the Swans, and if they can just keep ticking along, look, I, I think for Sydney this year, I don't think they're going to finish in the top half of the eight. Um, but if they can sneak into the finals and get some more experience into those kids that we've we've seen come on the scene this year, I think it's a huge tick for John Longmore and the Swans this year. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Another really good match was uh, Richmond and GWS. Richmond just getting home, eighty-seven to eighty-three. Yeah, I know. What about the poor bloody Tigers? They have to travel to at Marble Stadium. How do they? <laughs> how do they do that, Shane? Like oh, oh, Jesus Christ, for a club that's got one hundred thousand members. And they can only conjure up 18,000. Surely we must be talking about relocations right now because if that was North Melbourne getting an 18,000 strong crowd, yep. well, we'd, we'd be we'd be up in arms like, please, Damien Hardwick and Brendan Gale, like, you know what I mean? Pull your heads in. It's <laughs> it's not that. Maybe we can all give him a Mikey ticket in Melbourne and see if well, they can uh, tra- get the long-suffering Tiger fans to get them over to Marvel Stadium. Well, the thing is that the tram that goes down through the centre of Melbourne is the free tram as well. You know, it pretty much goes all the way from where the red bus stops from the airport all the way up to Spring Street. So there's no excuses for public transport. Um, what did you uh, What did you make of Geelong? Yeah, look, it was probably more – more was probably made or to be made of, of St Kilda. They just had a lot of chances and – Unfortunately, King, the full forward, missed a, a number of easy shots. You know I mean, and the other the other talking point out of that game, I think St Kilda laid something like 80, 87 tackles and only got three free kicks. Like on the free mm. on the weekend, I don't know what sort of memo that the umpires had across all games about holding the ball. Now, you boys have probably um, only followed AFL a, a lot less time than me, but mm. it's pretty simple. Um, I don't know how we got confused over time with about holding the ball. If you drop it, it's holding the ball. I don't care yeah. whether you tried or not. It's a very straightforward rule 
to um, to adjudicate. But unfortunately, we make it incredibly hard for the umpires. And I think the umpires are just in a state of confusion at the moment that they don't know what they're meant to be paying. Did he try? Did he not? Like all this sort of stuff. Makes it hard. Look, it's frustrating for fans on the outside and, and the game that we're talking about. St Kilda laying 87 tackles in a game game of football that had Brett Ratton saying, well, do we bother even tackling anymore? If you're going to tackle someone 87 times and only get three free kicks, that would ne- it nearly does back up that stat. With Brett Ratton said, why, why even bother? Mate, it's true. And the crowd get it right. The crowd yell out ball when it when it's a ball, and maybe they should be yelling out sort of ball. I don't know. <laughs> oh, look, it's it is look. It's a great part of our game, showing that I think we've made incredibly complicated. Yep. That when you when you are growing up, if you drop the ball, I don't care whether you tried or not. That's it's it's that's holding the ball, you know yep. what I mean? Like, and we've got it confused with, oh, he tried, did he try to get rid of it, and all this other stuff. Ooh. But I, I do feel for the uh, the umpires having to adjudicate these things that we we put on their laps. Yeah, it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. I mean, some things you just got to lace common sense over the top of, don't you? Now I know just finally you're a very very keen follower of world sport and a remarkable uh, moment at. Uh, Wembley, 22,000 there in the crowd to watch Leicester City the first time in their 137-year history to win the FA Cup, and it was just a goal for the ages. It was, Tim, but it, look, the other thing with Leicester City, for people that don't know out there as well, like Leicester City with a story, if everyone remembers from a few years ago, that I think they started off the season 5,000 to 1 to win the Premier mm-hmm. League, and they had their tie owners, um, you know, I mean, that that were a part of that magnificent victory, but it wasn't that long ago. I think it was only 12 or 18 months ago that their their owner took off um, from King Power Stadium there in Leicester and unfortunately all on board um, with the, the main owner of Leicester City passed away. But the, the reason why I wanted to talk about it today, it just goes to show when you saw the great scenes after the game of um, the now deceased owner's son out on the field with the players celebrating. It just goes to show that if you're aligned from the ownership right down, what you can do in world sport. And I think all those teams like Manchester United, Liverpool, um, I know Chelsea got beaten on the end, Manchester City, they'd all want to take a leaf out of this and just have a bit of a look because when, you, when you're when you aligned, look at the great things that sport can do. Mate, 100% agree with that and uh, aligned to beat a team like Chelsea a massive effort. Mm, absolutely. Corey, it's always great to chat. Well said. We will talk real soon. Thanks, boys. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, the player manager, the rugby league player manager to the stars, Steve Gillis. Play Sport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec and well-being activities in your community. Just go to playsport.com. Play Sport, whatever moves you. Well, it was called the Magic Round on the weekend and there was some decent football played, but Steve Gillis, play manager of the Stars, he joins us now, chimes... What did you make of all the send-offs, the sin binnings, the reports? Clint Newton, the head of the Players Association, not happy. They want a meeting with Peter Volandis. Yeah, it's an interesting one, uh, Tim. Obviously, uh, yeah, the players are the, the stars of the show. They're the one that have to go out there and, and do all the hard work. So obviously, the game has sped up incredibly this year. We need to make sure that the players can keep up 
So obviously a discussion, a conversation needs to be had between the governing body and the stars of the show to see if we can find a happy medium where the players can keep performing at their optimum but also um, make sure that they're not putting themselves at risk of, of injury. Mate, speaking of injuries, um, your client Ryan Pappenhausen was out for three weeks with a, with a shoulder. He's come back and he's copped a high one. Is he okay? Yeah, he's okay, mate. Great. He probably won't play next week. Uh, he'll have another week off, but... Uh, very unfortunate, uh, unsavoury incident. So well, I'm sure he'll bounce back, but it didn't look good yesterday. No, it didn't. So he was, uh, it was, it was all right last night. Yeah, no, okay after the game, Tim, and uh, we'll, we'll have a few uh, tests today to make sure everything's fine, and then and then back to business. Mate, Adam Reynolds. Uh, last time we spoke, he we weren't sure where he was heading. He's obviously heading to the Broncos now on a on a decent sized contract. Yeah, um, big decision for Adam to. Uh, Make it, obviously relocating his his family, four kids and his wife uh, next year to Brisbane. He's very happy with the decision. Obviously, would have preferred to stay a Rabbitoh, but it was not to be. So we move on and uh, a new challenge for for Adam next year. Very much looking forward to the challenge, but obviously has uh, business to do first with the bunnies. It's a great opportunity for him, isn't it, um, in Brisbane? Because you look, they they couldn't beat time with a stick at the moment. They're a proud, proud club. They need a little general, and he is just that. Yeah, there'll be some pressure on him, Tim, but obviously uh, Adam's a class player. Uh, he'll rise to the challenge. He'll organise the trips, and surely they've got to climb the ladder at some stage. I mean, last year they were very poor, and this year they haven't done much better. So injection of Adam next year, you would hope that they... Uh, they're heading in the right direction. Mate, unlike, unlike the Bunnies, the uh, the Roosters are quickly to sign uh, Sam Walker for two more years. That's good news. Yes, yeah, Sam, very happy to stay. Obviously, he um, knows that the Roosters are the right uh, place for him. Uh, he plays there in a great system with great players around him. So Sam will continue to do his apprenticeship there with, with the Chooks, and I'm sure in two years' time he'll be uh, a much sought-after player. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's a, he's a champion little player, isn't he? Just extraordinary. And that was a good win for them again on the weekend against the Cowboys when they came back into it. Now, Steve, uh, the Jack DeBellin case. Uh, so uh, no decision again on a second trial. So uh, where are we at with this? Uh, um, the, there's articles in the paper saying rarely do they go to a third trial. Um, he's, your, he's your client. You've been in and out of court with him for the past couple of years. Yeah, Tim, look, we, we just learnt to expect the unexpected, mate. The, the general rule of thumb is that the, a trial won't go the third time unless there's exceptional circumstances. Um, we don't believe there are any, but obviously it's a high-profile case. Um, obviously, we'd, we'd like the case to be dropped and Jack to resume his life. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. A decision will be made, hopefully, before May 28, when the matter goes back to court for mention. Now, Steve, just quickly, uh, apart from the send-offs and the sin bins, um, Magic Ground was well-supported in Queensland once again, wasn't it? Yeah, look, it's a great concept. Obviously, we pinched it from the English Super League. I've attended a few uh, Magic Weekends over there, and it, it is a great concept, and uh, the fans absolutely love it, and, and the vibe and uh, around the, the ground on, over the weekend is fantastic. So it, it's going to grow. Um, I think it's the right place for it. Brisbane, they tend to support it incredibly well. So, yeah, it's a big tick for Magic Weekend. You're going to see it um, a lot more of it into the future. It's here to stay. 
Steve, just finishing, and I know that you're always open to ideas and opportunities. Um, look, we mentioned it earlier on the show. Shane Lee's son, Tom, at the tender age of four or five, has kicked 35 goals in a game of soccer. Now, would you potentially be interested? <laughs> I'm on my way, Tim. Where, where, where's Shane right now? I'm on my way. Tell him not to sign anything with anyone. I'll be there in half an hour. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be very excited about it, you, mate? He'd be in good hands anyway. Yep. Well, there you go. He's on the books. He's not even through kindergarten. Thank you, Stephen. Right on, man. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our guests today, Corey McKernan and Steve Gillis. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Yeah, Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. And, of course, our great producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.